0: welcome to the antler up podcast brought to you by tethered the world's best saddle hunting equipment and we have a fun show for you all today what's up everybody welcome back to this week's episode of the antler up podcast we're on episode 195. On this week's episode, I was joined by PA native and a damn good hunter, Ryan Glitsky. Over the last couple of years, Ryan has really put himself out there when it comes to being one of the most hardest working hunters out there, especially here in PA. In between putting the miles on scouting and hunting, Ryan sure has a lot to offer when it comes to giving advice and being able to allow us individuals to listen and learn from him and hear his insight. And we really didn't waste any time in this episode as Ryan shares what you need to be doing right now in the woods to be successful. Ryan shares the importance of preseason and in-season scouting that helps guide his decisions for where to hunt, when to hunt right now. Ryan shares trends that he's really observed over the last couple of seasons between trail cam data and time on stand that will help you right now during this week in October. He also discusses what he does when it comes to hunting mature and cautious bucks and a heck of a lot more is packed into this episode. Enjoy this fun one. Really appreciate Ryan coming on. Thanks again, everybody for tuning in. If you like what you hear, Please, if you have a minute, just go leave that five star review over over on iTunes or Spotify and write a written review and also share with your friends, share with people. Uh, That's how it helps and continues to keep this thing going and growing. So really appreciate that. Thanks for the support. We have some more fun episodes coming up that are meaningful, impactful, that is going to help you as it comes time for the rut. haven't had a chance to get out this past weekend with the rain, had some other commitments. My lap really have only been out two times here in PA with two doe down and really excited for what's to come. Cameras are starting to light up a little bit more. Now sign is getting laid down. Really, really excited. So hopefully you enjoy your time out there in the woods where we will look forward to, drop in another antler up report here in a couple days. So make sure you're tuning into that as well. And you're checking out all the other episodes and podcasts on the sportsman's empire. Have a great night, everybody, or a great morning at work, wherever, whenever you're listening to this episode, we'll see you next week. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting, designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter. Tether produces the most mobile, stealthy and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. america's best bowstrings has been manufacturing high quality custom bowstrings in the usa since 2006. america's best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection and this has been the driving force behind the company innovative products for every archer out there go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com and a special code is made for our listeners of the antler up podcast for America's best bowstrings use code ANTLERUP up and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at SpartanForge.ai. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined on the other line by another other than a good buddy of mine. Had him on it two other times, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. I got Ryan Glitzky on. Ryan, welcome back to the show, man.
1: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Dude, it's always a pleasure to to have you on. Yes, sir. <laughs> we have some exciting times ahead, Rye. What what has been like new for you? Um, you know, the, you it seems like obviously Saturdays you're out in the woods, you got family stuff going on. You you were also involved in in uh the whole little motivation workout thing this past summer that, you know, everybody mm-hmm. was doing, which was fantastic to see people take uh, fitness to a whole new level. I know that's always been a part of your life, so I'm sure, you know, you enjoyed to see people make a change for that as well. So, other than that, man, what else is new in your life?
1: Uh, just like I guess like everybody, just busy. Family, work, all that stuff. You, you know what I mean? Trying to fit the fit the the fitness, you know, journey in there and the white tail journey in there, you know. So, just busy. Um ready to ready to get back out of here, of course. Um we did, uh, we did upgrade to a new bow this year, so that's a new biggie because I finally had to retire the old girl. Uh, she wasn't performing too good, so uh, we finally uh, ended up biting the bullet biting the and got a new bow this year to try out. Nice.
0: Here's, uh, here's something that I've been trying to ask guests kind of unorthodox type questions to kind of kick off an episode recently, and I'm asking all kinds of different things, and one that I want to ask you is if your name's brought up, at the topic of a dinner table, what do you hope is being said about you?
1: (laughs) What's well, Oh boy. Um, (laughs) I could go either way, I guess. (laughs) Uh, you know, when it comes around whitetail, um, I guess if it comes around whitetail, if, if, if my name would come up there, I think just, uh, you know, just an honest, hard worker, you know, Hunter, you know, I try to keep the ethics a part of it. Uh, good woodsman woodsmanship in general uh stuff like that you know um like i said i just try to try to keep it you know honest be up front i try not to bullshit nothing you know what i mean
0: i, I like that i'm sure that's what is being said because that's what would be exactly said uh, at my dinner table if I, if we're if your name ever gets brought up and uh you know kind of does especially when that's kind of why i asked it because my wife sitting at the dinner table tonight uh figuring out after we're we're uh, my plan of attack of taking my daughter out on a little quick bike ride she said who do you have tonight and i said ryan and she knows and so she said that's the one that goes out every weekend that you watch i was like yep it sure is and so she kind of knew and i was like man he works hard and uh so that was part of uh i was like you know what that's a great question if his name gets brought up at the dinner table what does he hope things are being said about him? so that was perfect
1: yeah good deal that's pretty cool <laughs> all
0: right Ryan. so like i said earlier third episode First two were completely different and the first one we discussed your postseason scouting in the second one, we talked all about preparing for the rut. Basically this episode, I want to cover really some preparation and that early to mid October stuff. That's what I want to go kind of go with. So like with that being said, the last two and a half years that we've known each other, what, would you say have been the biggest strides that you've made and really what are you still looking to improve upon?
1: Uh, you know what, to be honest with you, it would be probably around that time frame. Um, Everybody knows me as a rut hunter, pre-rut, rut that end of October into November. That's kind of my, you know, that's my bread and butter. I've killed the majority of my whitetails in, And I think me becoming a better bow hunter or hunter in general, that early part of October through mid October is something that I've been Probably working towards here the last year or two. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of me, it's it's the area I hunt, kind of handcuffs me a little bit. Um, Where I work, where my big bucks are, it's like a two-hour drive plus. Um, So that hurts me a little bit, but um, I do have Saturdays, some other options in there. Um, I think that's my biggest thing I've been working on and trying to be better at is that early to mid-October. I know the recipe. I know the game to be played then. That's not a problem. Um, Just got to have the field to play on, and that's what's been handcuffing me a little bit. How
0: do you think that kind of translates into your 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 game plan for the year like for coming up with that here's how I'm <laughs> going to attack the, like the 2023 season uh for PA cuz last year was a little bit like weird like certain times of of our season last year the weather in October was fantastic it seemed like it would be cool and then it would warm up a little bit and then obviously we had that warm rut so like when you kind of look at that how do you come up with a a game plan of of hammering that stuff because there's another question that i think uh will help even like lead into another answer with this
1: uh well just going into this season in general after last season's ass kicking um i think i'm definitely gonna be more aggressive (laughs) um that's something i'm definitely took away from last year um i may am a aggressive hunter um but i noticed last year i think with the warm weather and the rut and stuff it did mentally affect me um there were situations i still do i needed to be aggressive when i wasn't um like i normally would you know I, I like to take risks um this year going in especially early october into this mid-october period um definitely gonna be very aggressive um you know i'm not a bed hunter i'm a betting area hunter um but i'm going to be very aggressive early to to mid-october um i got a couple big bucks lined up i'm going to be aggressive well, if i bust them i bust them i don't care um, Go in, read the sign. I'm going to get tight to the betting and uh, try my best to uh, air one early.
0: So here's a question to kind of build on that. The last two and a half years since I've been, since I've known you and, and fallen along with everything, you've been able to obviously scout, get out there. You've been running a ton of cameras, like similar to Steve Shirk, right? Like not 150 mm-hmm. like Steve has. But what yep. I mean by that is you've been able to be a lot more boots to the ground where you've been able to maybe see some trends, like what have you noticed over the last couple of years, especially during that early to mid-October timeframe? And I know even last time that we talked, I know this is something where you're like, wow, uh, last year, my cameras were telling me this, you know, you had a whole nother year under your belt with seeing what some of those cameras were, were showing you, you know, what, what's kind of been your diagnosis, I guess you could say when it comes to, uh, what you're learning from this time period.
1: Um, a big takeaway there is no October lull that does not exist. Um, I've seen so many mature bucks daylighting um, in that time frame. I've talked about this before. Um, last season was definitely an odd year. Um, I didn't see the mature bucks in that middle, the lull per se, last year as much as I did the year before. Uh, for whatever reason, I did pick up some nothing like it would have been what uh 2021 i had a fantastic middle of october i had a ton of mature bucks you know 11 12th, 13th whatever time period in that week period there um it was fantastic and even early october um everybody thinks like scrape week is that last week of october um man i'm telling you you get the right scrape in the right location they're dynamite early in october or late in october um a lot of it early to mid October um, can depend a lot on the weather, your fronts and stuff like that. Um, especially before some precipitation moves in, I've noticed um, it's been pretty good. Then right after, um, I have noticed a uh, trend. I have not have noticed with these big boxes, n- not. It's almost before it's ready to quit. Say it last half an hour. It's still raining. Um, I have picked up a lot of big mature bucks up on her feet, hit no scrapes, right before that rain front is over. Um, then, of the course, after I do pick them up too. But seems like it's still raining. It's not quite over yet, but it's on a tailwind. Man, I see them big bucks get up and move right then.
0: That's what I've kind of even noticed with my cameras is like that little bit of, of rain, even if it's been raining all day or when it starts letting up, man, they get torn, torn apart. And that's something that I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a cold front, but man, when it rains a little bit, I get even really excited for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I, I've seen the honest grapes on, you know, that middle October, even beginning October, uh, you know, just in a general time frame of October, I've seen it hot, 78 degrees, and I've seen them work the scrapes. You know what I mean? Uh, But majority of time is around the precipitation or some type of front. That is the majority of time. But you have an outlier every so often. You know, it's 75, 80 degrees. You don't know why he's there. And he's an hour and a half before dark, he's showing up hitting a scrape. You know, a lot of it comes down to location. I try to tell guys. A lot of guys struggle with scrapes. Mocks are regular natural scrapes. And the problem is location, and I, I, a lot of guys, I get a lot of questions with mock scrapes stuff. Again, we're going to get on a wormhole here a little bit, but I think we'll help some guys out here um, with scrapes in general. A lot of guys ask about mock scrapes. Where do you put them at? You know what? If you want to learn and educate yourself on scrapes, go out there in the postseason or whatever and scout. Find the natural scrapes. Hang the cameras on the natural scrapes. Do not make mock scrapes. Put them on the natural scrapes. Run your cameras for a year or two and learn and educate. You're going to start putting that data together, uh, What? Bucks want where they want it, what time of day, and all that stuff. The weather fronts you're going to start putting that together after a couple years running cameras on natural scrapes. So, after a couple years, you got to play the long game here. After a couple years, you're going to go into timber, you're going to know what where's a good location for a mock scrape or where's a good camera location on a natural scrape. That takes time, that's not going to happen overnight. But give yourself a couple years to learn that, and man, it's going to make a world difference on your camera setup or your hunting and strategies in general around scrapes. are going to change.
0: And the other aspect of that too, Ryan, that I think is a really key component is if you learn that, like you said, and it takes, you, play, you have to play the long game, your net gets bigger. You start to understand that area a little bit more because you're getting intel of where the deer are coming from, right? So then you're therefore saying, yep. I'm going to backtrack and see where that deer was coming from on that time frame." You get in there, you learn a little bit, oh, wow, he's using this terrain feature to Oh, oh wow look at that that crazy cover that he's coming from in this edge the different vegetation so again it's like a huge plethora of of knowledge in it that's going to be enhancing because now you're learning scrapes and then also your woodsmanship is going up as well
1: 100 percent, 100 percent. like i said everybody wants the the short and quick answer to all this it, it i'm sorry the white tells this is a long game this takes a very long time lest you're blessed with some fantastic property this is going to take a while. And I try to tell guys that you got to build that foundation first. You know what I mean? And that stuff like that, your camera data, or just like I said, boots on the ground general, that's what's going to teach you stuff. And like I said, at the end of the day, all this stuff's great, but that whitetail was number one teacher. Let them teach you. And then, you know, pay attention to that stuff.
0: Yeah. The other aspect of that that I want to talk about is is uh, how, how, like you said, you want to be more aggressive this year. How are you going to deal with the pressure? Um, and then even you could talk about, Dealing with pressure during this time frame, but also even going back to the data uh, that you've been able to gain over the last couple of years, like what what did you notice when maybe pressure started picking up a little bit? If you saw a hunter or two, maybe on your camera or heck, even time on stand for you during that time frame, what has pressure done, uh, and how do you kind of go about combating that, basically?
1: Um, I've dealt with the pressure for thirty some years on public. It, it is part of the game. Don't let it bother me most of the time. I've had a lot of hunts ruined, dozens and dozens of hunts ruined because of it. But it's public land, nothing you can do about it. Um, something I have noticed is I would say the early part of October, you get a lot of pressure, typically early to mid, until the small game season really start to kick in. And that's another wormhole there with small game hunters that, that change some stuff, but that first part first week or two it really does change them i've seen the pressure really affect you know you'll have one pegged or have a ballpark of one and especially in farm countries where i notice that i really have a major shift off the pressure like i said there's not an october law that we read about i believe there is a pressure law that will happen in certain areas um farm country i do notice it because of the smaller woodlots and a little yeah. bit more bow pressure in there. the mountains i tend to not see it as much um it was funny because I pulled cameras here. I did a camera check here about two weeks ago in an area, and I had some big shooters, um, a couple mature bucks. Um, I had a couple cells sales in there, and they've not showed up in two weeks. They knew I was in there. It just shows you that little bit of pressure, you know, end of, end of summer into the first part of the fall here. It doesn't take much sometimes. Now, typically those bucks will come back in. They'll start doing their own thing. But it just goes to show you it doesn't really take much, that early part of October, to really throw them off. Now, as the season progresses, as it gets into around Halloween, the pre-rut, they start to let their guard down a little bit. The testosterone starting to build up. You're going to get away with a little bit more. That's what I know. It's like I, I get really aggressive in a rut also. Um, you know, I'm playing the wind, playing my thermals, my access, and all that's important, but I will cheat it a little bit um, because I can get away with a little bit more. It seems like, you know, as pre-rut rolls in the rut, you can be more aggressive. Um, you can kind of – I'm not going to say overhunt an area – but you can be in area a little bit more if you're hunting it smart, and they tend not to leave that general area a lot of times, what I've noticed, unless you really, really booger them up or some another outside influence really screws you up. But I see you can have a little bit more to play with um, later in the season.
0: Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from one being the MMT arrow, which is a two four six diameter shaft and the new NIS, which is a two Oh four diameter shaft arrow use code a U to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Here's a question because I've been running a camera in two, in two different spots for about two years now. And when you get that random dude to come on, I, when I say, dude, I'm talking buck here in, in August sometime, and you haven't seen him all summer, basically he's, he's at that flyer. He's coming in, checking out maybe his, his fall range, Yep. Do you notice that over maybe the last couple of years that same buck does he hit come back in that pre-rut time to check for some does yeah. kind of around that same time frame? Have you had a buck do that?
1: What I notice is I don't. I usually try to wait till end of August to pull my SD cards. Uh, when I I usually let my SD cam soak all summer. I try not to touch those until the end of end of August around Labor Day, because what I notice is mid August on. Is typically when I get a lot of big shooters show up. Um, they will show up a little bit. They will sometimes disappear for a couple weeks, but what I know is after velvet shed or whatever, they will come back in that general area, um, especially in the mountains. Usually, usually bucks I get in velvet in the mountains, I typically they stay around. Farm country is a little different. Those velvet bucks there, I have a tendency to lose a lot of them. Unless it is towards that Labor Day, around that p- time period, I do get a new one to pick up. Those bucks I will see typically in October, November. A lot of times I'll see that. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of theories going out there why these bucks do it. Um, I don't know why. All I'm going to tell you is you get those bucks end of August, beginning part of September. Typically, those bucks are going to be hunting come archery season, what I've noticed.
0: Yeah, that was the one aspect that I learned last year early August I would say that first weekend I believe last last August I put out a camera in a spot I had a pretty good buck actually go by one of them that same day and I couldn't it was a farther away picture didn't get a chance to really dissect who he was come later on when I was getting different bucks on camera but man that end of August early September day night it didn't matter i was getting a a group of different bucks i would say three to four and they stayed i mean they stayed around and gave me opportunities and that was the one that i've talked about on the podcast before where uh a a hunter came on through and kind of kind of basically spooked them towards me i was anticipating this deer to kind of work his way to a double scrape to me and when he got spooked, he ran right towards me. Uh, he just was 55 yeah. yards. And instead of continuing to work towards me, he worked the other way. Um, but, yeah, so that that's the one aspect that I've, I've noticed. I've noticed, too, on the other side of the mountain that my dad and I, we rarely get bucks on camera. And we started, I would say, about uh, end of August towards early 20 to timeframe of August, boom, they start showing up and they'll disappear, yep. but then come end of uh, – uh mid mid late september they show up again so i mean that's why i don't get worried i love when i get pictures of buddies when they send me the the slammers they're getting and they're like what are you getting on camera i'm like jack shit <laughs> because yeah it's not yeah. where these uh and, the fuzzy guys honest, live, you
1: know yeah and to be honest with you i i get you know i i do like this time frame into august begin september to get bucks. but if you're gonna tell me my favorite time to get bucks on camera like i told you i'm a rut guy um mid-October into that third week of October, if I get a buck starting to start show up um, consistently, I don't give a shit if it's nighttime. Um, you know, I get a couple shooters around there starting to show up. I'm feeling pretty damn good. I'm going to run into one. I prefer seeing those bucks that middle to third week of October, right before starting to amp up, you know, that last week of October. Um, I'll get a lot of new bucks then show up. Those are the ones that really get me excited, to be honest with you, because they're up and moving. The rut's getting ready to kick in. There's a good chance that I'm going to see them up on their feet in daylight. I've killed a lot of bucks that way.
0: So here's a question that that we could kind of go back to about, like, kind of creating that game plan for you since we're being a little bit more aggressive this year, Ryan. When you think about how you're going, going to attack that, are you using some last season data? Are you using maybe some of that sign that you found here scouting throughout the year? Like, what kind of data do you kind of take into consideration of October 9th uh, man, it, it's dropping a little bit. Here's where I want to go. Is that going off of what cameras told you in the past? Is it what you did scouting wise? Um, how, how, what kind of, what makes you make that decision?
1: Um, it's going to be my post-season scouting. It's going to lead into my camera data that I got throughout the summer and the early part of fall. And then it's in-season scouting. Um, you put all those three together, use all those tools, to go in and make an education the guest where to set up and kill them. Um, 90% of the time doesn't work out, um, but you're trying to put yourself in a ball game. Especially in the big woods, setting mountains, it, it's really, really hard to get one on a bed pattern early and kill them. It is it possible? Absolutely. Um, but they tend to random bed wherever they want to sometimes. Um, I have been keying on some certain things. Um, I know the general area where a lot of these bucks are bedding. Um, there is a primary food source, not maybe a mile, mile and a half away some private ag. Um, he's not going to show up on that private ag in daylight, I don't feel. You know what I mean? It's too far away. So you're looking at that spot in between there, yep. closer to his bedding area. So that's where my post scouting, knowing where that bedding area is. My trail camera data is going to tell me, okay, he's daylighting in this general area. And then in season scouting, reading the sign, reading the tracks, you just got to put all that together. That's where the woodsmanship part of it comes in. Um, the in season scouting, that's probably the main thing there. The most important thing is putting that all together, what you're seeing right then and then. Don't, one thing you guys think make mistakes, this is where they start to hunt the cameras. Don't hunt the cameras. Let that intel, you got that intel. Use the in season scouting to tell you where to go, not that camera. Okay, you know he's there but use your scouting to fi- fine tune that puts you in a kill tree to kill.
0: Them. Amen, dude. I love that. That just friggin' just, I, I think light bulbs are going to be skyrocketing off people's faces at, at that point in time off their brain. So here's, here's a great question that maybe someone that is driving or listening at work is thinking, you know, you, you, you hunted in the morning, saw a couple doe. You're, you're already in a pretty good distance. I'm, I'm throwing that out there. I'm assuming, you know, you're pushing in, for the evening sit, do you set up on that first bit of hot sign that you find deep in there? Or do you go a little bit further? You know, basically how far are you pushing that envelope?
1: That question can only be answered by experience. If that makes sense that I can't tell you, you have Mm -hmm. to do this long enough. You got to blow it up enough. You got to screw up enough where you still screw up. Even I don't care how long you've been doing it, You're going to screw it up still, but, your screw ups start to get less and less. You're going to learn how far is too far or what's not far enough. You just got to do this long enough. There's not really a textbook book book answer I can give you. Say, oh, I find this scrape or find this rub. Like I said, you just got. It goes back to the last part of this, where you got to take all the intel you gained over 365 days. Your scouting, your cameras, your in season to make a good, educated guess where he's going to be. And like I said, 99% of the time, guys, we're screwing up. We're not – you know, unless you're on a prime piece of property, we're going to screw up majority of the time so don't get frustrated. But we only got to be right one time during the season, and it's a fantastic season. So you got to remember that.
0: I'll tell you what. I always like to say I agree with you 100% that there's really no – there's no right or wrong answer for that, right? Like there's no textbook, like you said, Ryan – what I like to say is, man, whatever gets that that my pants a little jumpy, <laughs> like <laughs> you know what I mean. Whatever yeah. gets you warm and fuzzy, it, man, a that's a when feeling. you're like, okay. Because hey, then what ends up happening? You have confidence, right? Like then you yep. have confidence. If if you're standing there going, you know what? That man, that rub, uh, that rub is there. Okay, uh, that scrape is that scrape looks fresh, but it's not like it's not screaming to me where like you know like what you were saying is why why would that deer make that like what deer is hitting that is that deer hitting that at night you know push a little bit further if you're do if you're sitting there standing there guessing a little bit keep going because the worst thing that's going to happen is that you're going to be in the woods you're going to learn something maybe you hunt from the ground then because you're pushing in too late and maybe busting something or yeah. you bump the deer at that point in time and he was bedded guess what now you know where he's sleeping
1: yeah there, there's no i'll tell you what always I think you always lean on the aggressive side in a lot of situations. Um, like I've said this before, I've been around some fantastic whitetail hunters, and one thing a lot of them have in common is they're aggressive. Um, they've screwed up a lot more times than they've been successful, um, but all those screw-ups have learned from, uh, have led to them being very consistent, uh, you know, killer on mature bucks and you got to learn from mistakes. You're going to learn from your mistakes. That, that's how I look. If, you, if you're going to push your foot around, sit back in the corner, you're not going to learn shit from, shit in this game. You know what I mean? To me, be aggressive and go after it. Okay. Yep. You're going to screw it up most of the time, but then you're going to start learning that comfort zone where you need to be. You're going to get that gut feeling, that instinct. You're going to build that over time. Like so this gets back to this whole thing. This takes times, boys and girls, just take your time, lay that foundation. You're going to learn this over, over many years doing it.
0: That brings up a great point too, Ryan, because I know you've been, uh, you know, you, you were just, uh, this past summer, you traveled a little bit, got a chance to do the mobile hunting show with, with lone wolf custom Mm -hmm. gear and everything like that, you know, talking to those hunters, man, you know, like you just said, like one of the attributes that all these great deer hunters have is that being a little bit aggressive, man, like what Mm -hmm. else, like what is your big takeaways? Because I know like you even do Bo's camp and everything like that. You know, I, I asked uh, Lyle Harvey the question when he and I shot 3D <laughs> together, me, him, and and, and Jim, we shot uh, a 3D course in early May, I think it was. You know, I asked him, you know, like, you, you did Bo's thing twice now. Would you do it again, right? And he said absolutely, and, I, and he said the reason why is just because – you get a chance to be around people, you learn a piece of here and there, and it's, you know, you're around like-minded individuals. So for yourself, you're, you've done a bunch of those different uh, activities this past year. You know, man, like what are some takeaways? What do you encourage people to do? Uh, I mean, that's like a glorified podcast, like, but in person, you know what I'm saying? So I guess oh, like, yeah. what are your takeaways? What are some things that you maybe might implement uh, and uh, kind of go from there with that?
1: Uh, I mean yes, the aggressive mindset uh, is definitely something I took from a lot of fantastic white hunters. I think the big thing is is how bad do you want this? You know, And what I see in common of a lot of us is, yes, the good Lord and our family, you know, one and two. then there's white tails, man. The passion that everyone has to chase a white tail is un- unreal, you know, we all have it we think this 24/7 365 and it's not you know you'll see people that can, ah they're getting excited right now season's coming they're going to hunt. Us, man it, it from the day it stops till it's getting ready to start it is whitetails. Um yes you got to keep your priorities in and check with the good lord and, and your family. Don't get me wrong you have to do that. Um you have to keep it healthy, <laughs> you know what i mean? But you know in the, the day we all have this sickness yep. man and that's what's in common you're just it just go 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 with the grind. Like, like I tell people, I think what the big thing is. What I've learned, maybe I'm getting older too, and some of these other guys I've talked to, or around my age, maybe, and some of the young guys is they love the process. It, the, the process is is just what drives you. It's not to kill so much anymore. It's leading up into the kill. That's me drives me like that. Post and scouting, I can't wait till season's over so I can get in the woods, you know, in the mountains with my dog and just just walk all day you know and that's a lot of us we we love the build up you know some guys are on the land management side where they can't wait to put the food plots in and TSI and all that stuff it's different for you know private and public but that's what drives them but we all have the same passion just, just I, like I said, it gets me fired up, man. I, I mean, I've been on a lot of these podcasts. Guys probably know I get fired up over this shit. Yeah. And that's the fire you see in all these guys. There's no quit. There's no off season, And that's probably what, what most all the consistent killers have is there is no off season. It is 24-7, 365. You are thinking... About whitetails, how can I get better? You know, is it in the gym or is it how I eat in the woods, boots on the ground, hanging a stand, hanging it? It all plays in. You're constantly thinking, how do I get my better equipment? That's all. It's it's always trying to uh, you know evolve into a better hunter, a better woodsman. You know, that's why I think everybody has in common is just this love and this passion for whitetails.
0: I agree, man. I love. It. Well said, and I love that you when you get fired up because it just it shows that passion and, and the drive that you have for it, and you know, we were, we are just talking about like creating that game plan and reading the sign. Like we we're saying, how much is, is, you know, when do you stop? Here's a question. And, and it was an article that I read in the, the North American whitetail magazine, you know, and I, I, it made me really stop and and think, and I know you are big on finding that sign and mm-hmm. especially for put getting out there and, and scouting a lot and you have individuals that may not scout a lot, but heck it made me even go back to a year and a half ago, two years ago, where, you know, I was looking at, like you said, a scrape and I was like, man, I'm getting a ton of, of either photos or video at nighttime and, you know, figuring out, okay, I need to push a little bit further and see. And that's when I, I came into more better stuff, especially seeing things on daylight. So my, my question is Ryan, how are you, how do you decipher that day, night, laid sign? because I, and that's what this article was about. It was about how this, the author for many years as, as a young hunter was just, Oh, there's a rub or though there's a, there's a scrape and X, Y, and Z. And it turns out that like a lot of that sign, especially on this property, he was hunting was uh, all at night, you know? And, and I think that's a a challenge for some, because you don't know Mm -hmm. unless you have the camera and, and all that type of stuff. But, you know, like what are some things that maybe we could help hunters out, young hunters or guys that are, you know, maybe struggling with that of saying like, Hey, this, this is mainly probably made at night. Like this rub line is either going to bed yeah. or, or going down to feed and something along those lines.
1: Yeah. I, I see a, uh, a ton of that sign every postseason. Um, When I'm, when I'm breaking down a lot of new areas or existing areas, I see a lot of sign where I look at, it and it's like that's not where I'm going to kill a buck. Um, if I guess if you're going to find an area where you want to get more consistent daylight activity, um, I tell guys diversity. Um, White tails love diversity. They're an edge animal, you know. Transition. They're like I said, they're rabbits with horns. Um, you know, if you get in a big, not so you can't <laughs> kill them in a big mature timber setting but that's you know not really where you get, i think you're going to be consistent especially on a more of a pressured area um so always kind of look for diversity either the best in my opinion is habitat and terrain diversity if you can start to pick put that all together um typically that's usually pretty good areas to kill whitetails And keep an open mind with all this. There's too much out there that bucks only travel on the upper third. Bucks only do this. They only use, you know, hubs are a big thing right now. Hubs are fantastic if they're hunted correctly. They're great for inventory. But all this, keep an open mind. I don't care if you're a bed hunter or in a box blind hunting over a food plot, keep an open mind with all this, you know. Um, you get your mindset on one way, bucks only do this, yeah. you're gonna be a step behind majority of the time. Um, but when it but get back to, I guess we're getting down a rabbit hole here, sorry, but with nighttime pictures, you know, your trail cameras are gonna tell you a lot. If you're consistently getting nighttime pictures, you're not getting any daylight pictures, and you're letting them cameras soak for a season or whatever. You're in the wrong spot, probably. Um, now the cameras only tell you a little bit too. You need sometimes put some ass time. If you're getting a consistent a lot of mature bucks in an area, like I told you before, I don't care about getting nighttime pictures because I kind of know what I'm, I guess I kind of know what I'm doing. Like, Apparently, you know, with reading the terrain and the habitat. If I'm getting nighttime picks in the area, I feel they're going to be in. I'm not too worried about that. But now, if you're a new hunter and you're getting a lot of nighttime picks, you know, throw a sit or two in there and just see what's going on. If you're not seeing any activity, it's all nocturnal activity, then you're in the wrong place. That's when you need to start venturing. Okay, they're there. You just got to venture off a little further. And like I said, typically, that's you're just looking for a diversity of habitat and terrain. Then you're going to start being in the ballpark. Again.
0: Electrify, escape, and expand. With PWR, nothing will hold you back from finding adventure on your own terms. Forge your own path to places others can't reach by car, by foot, or using analog equipment. Electrify your adventure with PWR's unique e-powered adventure tools that are just as fun to ride as they are practical. Escape the ordinary methods of enjoying the outdoors that take you to the same old spots it seems everyone ends up. Expand your playground, push beyond your old limitations, and find a new comfort zone. Check out the brand new Rome scooter that comes equipped with 4-inch wide heavily treaded tires for maximum grip over loose and aggressive terrain. The 24-inch front wheel diameter makes easy work of rolling over roots, rocks, and other low obstacles in your path. Use code ANTLERUP750 for $750 off or ANTLERUP25 to save 25% off the site, excluding the roam. So check out RidePWR.com and prepare for your next adventure. The last couple of years of running your cameras and getting all those nice good bucks on, on, on uh, video for, for scrapes, You know, what, what's some of the, the buck behavior that you've noticed, were you able to put anything to anything together as far as man, like that's a, that I know is an older buck, you know, he may not be the biggest buck, but you know, he's the oldest buck per se cautious, uh, like really anything as far as that buck behavior, uh, aspect that you've learned and even time on stand, maybe this past year, what kind of behavior have, have you been able to, to witness, uh, with running the cameras and during that early, mid, you know, before the pre-rut per se buck behavior on these scrapes?
1: Uh, yeah, well, it, it first has to be, the, I guess we have first off is that scrape has to be in the right location. Okay. To get the daylight picks of these bucks, which typically is pretty close to some security cover. Um, now when it comes to the, the, what I see, you know, what I see is every buck is an individual has its own personality. Um, I've seen bucks aggressive at those scrapes, even early to mid October. Some are passive, you know, some almost know you were in there, you know, the camera, you know, they're a little shy about it. Some just don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Um, I just, I think what I've noticed in general is just, they all have their own personality and, depending on your camera when you check your cameras you can utilize that in your setups and how you kill them too you know what i mean if you got to be a little passive or be a little aggressive in a setup um maybe with calling or whatever you going to use all that information but i'd say in general i really can't put my finger on like one thing they do because it seems like they all they're like people um they're all different you know i i like I said i i've been in doctor scrapes up to that day next day buck him in and you know damn well he smells me just don't give a shit then i have a big one show up and you know, I typically don't like seeing a big buck show up. Say if I have a cell camera. I don't like to see them show up first day or two cuz I know they're going to smell me. Like I said, some don't care, other ones I don't see them again. <laughs> you know what it means. So, um I would say personality in general is something I've picked up on. They're just they're just different <laughs> each one of them, you know, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, that's that's the aspect that I I find fascinating just because and why I've now when I've either doctor up a good prime location, either mock scrape or, or a, a big community scrape that I found, like that camera must take video. And that, I think, was a huge up, uptick in my learning curve, especially when it came to learning scrapes and learning deer behavior and buck movement has been since adding the camera to video. 100%, 100% yeah i and i i don't know i just i, I think that that it will help tremendously individuals because and you have to be careful with some of those cameras you might see a nice cell camera for 89 bucks but you got to check because it's some most of them of that that price range don't take video
1: <laughs> yeah I, to be honest with you um we actually had this conversation where we say the Lone with custom gear show some die-hard hunters and we kind of agreed upon like I really enjoy running SD cams, um, picture or video. I, I enjoy running them. I seem to get so much more Intel out of those for the historical data, and letting them soak. Um, the cell cams are nice. Don't get me wrong. I will always run them to a point, but I think you can fall down a trap with these cell cams. And I've noticed myself and us guys, we talked, you know, we, 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 you know, we pride ourselves on being good white tail hunters and with, you know, being, you know, good solid woodsmen and these cameras, I think handcuff us a little bit, you know, um, either a beginner or a veteran, yep. I think the cell cams, because what happens, even though you're not hunting them cameras, they're still influencing your decision-making. That's what I noticed last year a little bit. Um, Maybe why I wasn't aggressive as much, because I was utilizing cell cams a little too much. Um, I like running them. I enjoy them. I don't think they need to be banned or any of that bullshit. Um, they have their place, but um you can get yourself in trouble if you start chasing cameras and start chasing pitchers. um That's where... Sometimes just use a little bit of that intel, to let you know he's in there. Then use the woodmanship and do your in-season scouting and kill him. Yeah.
0: So when the the age-old question, Ryan, mornings or, or or evenings, you know, how are you attacking those days? You know, maybe maybe it's really good in the morning and you're going out then, and, and the evening doesn't look that great. Like, what's your game plan, or vice versa? It looks real crappy in the morning. You still have the time to get out there though to maybe scout around. How how do you what's what's your game plan because a lot of us, man, that Saturday, that's all we look forward to. So rain, shine, it doesn't matter. People are going to be in, that, in the woods. And for someone like myself, man, I love waking up and it's dark out and being in the tree and then watching that sun come up and, and thanking God for, for that day. So like, what's, what, uh, what's your game plan for, for early season, mornings, evenings? What does that typical Saturday look like for you?
1: Uh, you know, I have no problem hunting, hunting mornings, early season. Um, if the scenario sets up, you know, if I can get back to an area and to a bedding area, um, without being detected hundred percent, I'm going to set up, you know, near a bedding area and security cover, um, that I feel comfortable. I can get in there without blowing everything out. Absolutely. I'm hunting mornings. Um, typically I'm hunting majority evenings. You know what I mean? Um, a lot of times, be honest with you, if I'm not hunting in the morning, I am going to be doing still something. Maybe I sleep in a little bit mid-morning. I'm going to check cameras or something like that. Come back, get something neat, and I may start. Maybe I have a general area I want to go to in the afternoon. Um, maybe I do have some data, some uh, camera data. I pulled some cards, um, or I know where some good bucks at. We're there, and I'm scouting my way into a certain situation and reading the sign for that evening hunt. You know, um, Once the season kicks in, I tell guys, as soon as, as, soon as the yeah. season kicks in, I mean, you're reading the you're reading the whole season. You're scouting. You know, every I mean every week it changes. You know, you start off, say October 1st, everything's green, everything else. There's a lot of food. The acorns are dropping, there's corn up, and you know, a certain place, still some beans, and the next week, okay, the beans are dried up, the acorns are dropping more, maybe apples are all off. You know, there's so many things you just got to continue to read that timber, read the woods every day, every week. And just every time, it's just a different game you're going to play. Every day you step in the woods, but you have to take all that in. You know, the woods all of a sudden, it starts to open up after a couple weeks. you got small game pressure rolling in. You gotta take that all in consideration when you're starting to hunt. You gotta start going for that that thicker, nastier cover because they're getting pushed back into it. You gotta play that on. You gotta look for that secondary food source, not the primary food source where everybody's been sitting on a field edge for the last week. You gotta get off of that and go find that secondary food source that's hot. That's all that's all the stuff you gotta play in your head early season.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I want Ryan Glitzki's top three rules uh for, for hunting this October timeframe this year.
1: Uh First, don't be lazy. Um, like I said, be aggressive. Um, I'm not going to worry about uh, pushing too far. That's going to be a big thing. Because um, the way I look at it, I got, to be honest with you, I got a couple big ones to go after, and I'm going to be very aggressive early. But I'm limited to like a Saturday. So I have to be extremely aggressive. If I blow them up, I blow them up. They're going to go too far. I'll kill them in a rut. That's kind of how I look at it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I guess one big rule is going to be not to sit back. Um, don't be afraid to be aggressive. You blow it up. Just go on to the next year. Wait for next, another day. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of some other rules here. Um, you know, just in general is, you know... I think is is we all do it is we we get this fitness we get prepped we get everything going here for the season then the season rolls in we all slack off on it. Um, a big thing I want to do this year is keep to it <laughs> is keep my fitness and keep my diet up you know because I start it starts to become fluffy season. <laughs> so I kind of uh, that's something that, that uh, I kind of what I guess I don't know if it's a rule or what but something I'm really striving for is to make sure I'm up on my cardio up on my diet. I uh, don't let that slack off during the season because um, it's come to rut when you're sitting all day if you're still out there that's still going to help out a lot being in shape and all that stuff and eating right
0: yeah amen to that that's an aspect that i fell victim to last year i remember uh the season i I would be working and my off period would go and i would i'm like oh man should i do this for training and i would talk myself out of it and i'm uh, next thing you know it january rolls around i'm like what in the f do you do man like you look like the <laughs> out of puff dude you know and then yeah. you get back in the yeah. swing of things and you know you don't want to start behind the eight ball that's that's for damn sure and and uh yeah yeah I'm with you for that I I agree with kind of all all, all the, the those three aspects of the rules with that now here's here's what I want you to kind of think back to to last year and man I, I would love to hear a, a story where you you think back to it and then maybe kind of like grind your gears a little bit and makes you kind of want to make sure that never happens again, or either that answer, answer something along those lines or a question where, where you're thinking about, man, that was a great experience. Here's how I'm going to build upon that.
1: I I can, I can tell you the day, October 27th. uh, We had, I think it was October 20th, most positive. um, that We had a cold front come in in the evening. Like I told you, I wasn't aggressive because I was paying too much damn attention to some of these cell cams. Um, there was a hub system that I knew I needed to be in. I had some good bucks in it. And as warm as it was, you know, even that last week of October, we had a cold night. I knew them bucks were going to be up moving. Instead of pushing it, and the wind was off a little bit that night for me. We had a lot of east-southeast winds last year um, and that warm, warm spell. But I tell guys, you're running mobile, you can get into a spot, you manipulate the spot, and that's what I should have did. Um, I had a cell camera in that spot, and I had multiple shooters on a doe in that spot that night in that hub system. I would have guaranteed it. Nothing's guaranteed, but I would have probably seen them, and I would have gotten an opportunity to kill a pretty good buck at night. Um, if I just would have used my. instead of worrying about the damn cell cameras, what they weren't showing in that hot weather, I should have known that cold front came in that cold day or two that I should have pushed it went where I knew I had multiple shooters in went into that system and I would have killed that night. I I felt pretty positive that I am still kicking myself in the ass because you're only going to get a day or two, a lot of time hunting pressure property. And when those days line up, you got to get in there and you got to kill. And that's where I usually I'll do that. I sat back and this is where I said, I get you get tied up these cell cams. Sometimes that live stuff coming in that burned me this year. That will not burn me. I will. I I like getting pictures, but that will not influence my decision. What will influence my decision is my wisdomship, the weather, all that stuff will play into me making a decision off of my gut, not technology.
0: If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go, a budget friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus Rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy to use, feature rich cell camera. The Rival offers crystal clear photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in Northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live, and another one I'm saving for back in Northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service. So see for yourself why so many made the switch to Exodus and experience the Exodus difference. Use code AU to get 15% off your first camera today. Yeah, that weather is a key thing. And that's the aspect I know that Steve Shirk really loves and believes in. And I kind of, I, mm-hmm. I do as well. Um, you know, I, I guess with that, Ryan, and I know earlier we were talking about rain and everything like that man, I feel we all know. Yes. Wind. We all know like now, like that other side of things with weather, but I guess, man, like for you to enhance and make those big strides Mm -hmm. the last couple of years. And, and, you know, you've been doing this for so long and being successful, successful for so long to you. How big is that weather? Cause like, I know Steve is like, man, I'm, I'm a 90, 92%. Like it's all dictating on weather. Like, what is it for you? Do you think?
1: weather is the number one most important factor in weight to hunting in my opinion um that is the biggest influencer in my opinion what i've seen and now like i said i am a pre-rut rut where um you get a 75 80 degree weather that really kills us then um, warmer weather does hurt you early not maybe as much in certain situations um, but even then you know you get a cold front early october mid october we know it's dynamite or you get the precipitation or something different you know you don't want stagnant weather that's what kills you um, me personally the number one influence is weather the only thing that influences it outside of weather is heavy gun pressure um, heavy gun pressure of course changes everything You know what I mean? Um, But your bow pressure and your small game pressure affects it, but not as much as, you know, uh, as the weather in general that October – basically our bow season. Um, You know we're not influenced by the gun pressure, of course. Um, But in our bow season in general, it is weather, in my opinion, man. Weather is king. Um, I just – have i killed them at 75 degrees absolutely i got quite a few bucks back here i've killed in seasonally warm weather um but majority of my good hunts is going to be around yeah. cooler weather some type of fronts and what i tell guys too is like i love cold weather in a rut but if you get the stagnant eight nine ten eleven days of cold weather it's decent hunting i rather throw in a couple warmer days say 60s throw in a day or two of 60 let then let it drop off then after four or five days, let it go back up and get a little warm and drop off. I like that roller coaster of the weather. I don't want stagnant. Even if it's cold, I'd rather see it up and down a little bit. Give me three, four days, nice weather. Then let's get a little warm and drop back off. That's when it's fantastic hunting, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. I remember listening to, uh, Blisey, uh, talk about too, like, you know, we've always heard the term, like when that cold, like it turns cold they're they're up on their feet and, uh, I remember him saying like, kind of like the opposite one time, I forget if it was who he was talking to, but he was like, man, when it gets warm out, you know, it's nice. You want to be outside, right? Like sun's out, guns out type of ordeal. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not talking like super, super hot, but like you just, but like you said, like when, if, if, if it's been 40 degrees, 30 degrees, and all of a sudden it's like, wham, bam, there's your 58 degrees, 60 degree day. There might be a spot where that deer is going to go look for water right like there's good that deer might get up on its feet and be like hey oh man that wind's not blasting in my in my face as i walk to this x location um it's just something else to think about and the way and i'm butchering it 100 percent the way blisey uh related but the way he he said it 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 kind of did make a little bit of sense
1: oh yeah i mean i think any change in general less is extreme like last year it jumps up to you start getting up mid 60s and above it It starts to get a little rough, you know, it does. But I think, you know, if you're riding, you're getting frosty mornings, 30 degree days, you know, overcast, windy, and maybe you get a bluebird day, you know, high pressure system or something rolls in and, you know, it it warms up in the 50s. Yeah, I've had fantastic hunts like that, you know what I mean? Like I said, maybe it creeps up in the 60s. And then next day you do get that cold snap all of a sudden. Another front moves through, or a cold night. It's another frosty morning after a warm spell. A lot of times those are you know the great days to hunt. It, it I just like I said I like the fluctuation. I like the roller coaster a little bit. Um, even stagnant cold weather I think after a while can they, they kind of just get they get stagnant. You know what I mean? Yeah, the movement. I'd rather have a cold you know for ten days straight than warm. Don't get me wrong, um, but I like a little bit of play with that up and down, and I, that's where I see a lot of great movement.
0: All right, Ryan, last question, man. If you could only hunt one week, what week you hunting?
1: Well, I'm a rut hunter, so it's going to have to be around here. I and mean, we're talking about early October and mid-October here, but uh, we're still going to go for some time <laughs> in November. You know, I've been asked this question a few times, and I'd probably have uh, different answers um, because, to be honest with you, I've had – it, it, it comes back to the weather. I've had fantastic last week's October, nice. um, that seven, eight, ninth, man, I've killed a lot of bucks in that seven, eight, ninth that weekend around there, you know, slap at in the middle of a week somewhere. I'll take that. You know what, whatever weekend, October and first two weeks of November, it's going to be good weather. You know, you know, like I said, maybe we get a little seasonal warm weather and all of a sudden a front moves through next four or five days are going to be cold below average. You know, I'll take that week. You know where that's gonna line up. Yeah.
0: All right. This one this is I, I lied. This is the last question and you could just answer <laughs> it with a yes or no. Do you think <laughs> do you do you think does or certain does go into estrus same time year after year?
1: hundred percent.
0: I like it, Ryan, dude. I, I just want to thank you so much again for coming on, uh, for one, uh, to coming on, on to this, to this show, being so, so kind to me, uh, always being there for a, for a text message, phone call away and, and answering, uh, you're a down to earth individual. You do some great okay. things. You put out some great content. Uh, I really appreciate all that you do for, for this community. And, uh, I wish you the best of luck and I wish, you know, you and your family happy health. Uh, for this upcoming year and everything going on and you know ryan where could people follow along see what you're going up against this year and how this year you're going to kick 2023's ass and, and not the other way around
1: yeah well i appreciate all those kinds of words and good luck to you also this season um but if anybody wants to follow along my journey um pretty active on instagram uh moose 1720 uh you can follow me there and uh just see some big meathead that has one hell of a passion to chase uh chase whitetails man
0: i like it man all right everybody thanks again for tuning in go check out ryan get after it
1: antler up thanks for listening to this episode of the antler up podcast we hope you enjoyed it please go check us out on our instagram youtube facebook and go wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com if you enjoyed this episode go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode until then antler up